Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good evening, everyone. This is Kennard Levy-Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. We've been doing this program for a very long time, I think over 12 years, or at 12 years. And I've covered a number of topics over the years, but I don't think I've really gone into detail about proving through the scriptures that the Old and New Testament is scripture. So this study is going to focus on the the New Testament. I think I'm going to talk a little bit about the Old Testament too, but I, I, my experience is most people understand that the Old Testament is certainly verified. Recently, the the conflict, especially with people who are starting to go deeper into uh, the Hebrew roots of the Bible, understanding that Jesus, uh, his Hebrew name was Yeshua, and that he's a Jew, and so forth, and they embrace some parts of Judaism like he did, even though it wasn't called Judaism in the first century. I have found that people, some people anyway, they go so far into embracing the Jewish or Hebrew roots of the Bible that they become Jews and they deny the Messiah, or you have some segments of it where they don't believe that Yeshua or Jesus is Yodevahe, which is easily proved out the Bible if you properly understand it, uh, and various other things. There's There tends to be a trend as, as some people start to go deeper into uh, understanding the master's or the Lord's life while he was on the earth, that they tend to, and this is kind of crazy, and it is crazy, that they don't think very highly of his words. That, And that's what, the New, that's what the New Testament, or I like to call it the renewed scriptures or the apostolic scriptures is, is, is basically not Yeshua's words, but it's his father's words, his additional words that he prophesied that needed to be said. And I know I say those type of things in in the Hebrew roots movement, because I think in any other movements, Messianic Judaism, I think in most cases they believe that the Old and the New Testament is scripture, and so does the Worldwide Church of God Splinter Churches. I think every single one of them believe that. It's only in the Hebrew Roots Movement. <laughs> in the Hebrew Roots Movement, they have all kind of, a lot of them, or 
I say a significant portion of those beliefs are kind of wacky. Uh, in other words, they're not scriptural. And certainly this one about thinking that the, the words of the father that he gave to his son are less than the actual words of the Old Testament, which is also the father's word. So uh, it just doesn't make any sense, ladies and gentlemen. It's, this is an example of not using the brain. Uh, that God has given all of us to use, and we have to learn how to use our brains. And Hasatan, that's the Hebrew for saying the adversary, the devil, he does not want us to think. He does not want us to use our brains properly, all right? And we have to be aware of that, and this is how he operates. And this program is going to be a little longer than, than normal because we're addressing something that is very, very critical to you being able to grow spiritually. Um, Ephesians. No, it's not Ephesians. I don't know where I was going here. But um, this is very important, this Bible study. And this Bible study is hopefully going to help you to understand that the New Testament is Scripture and is Holy Writ and is on the same level as the other scriptures uh, This can be proven Through the scriptures And also be proven on How the New Testament was canonized So I'm going to attempt To go over all of that uh, Today So as I mentioned There is a very serious false doctrine Going around in some assemblies Or churches that believe That Yeshua Jesus is the Messiah Or Christ Some teach that only the first five books of Moses are, are scripture The others teach Only the Tanakh or the Old Testament Is scripture Some of these assemblies or churches believe that the Apostolic scriptures are not on the same Level as the Tanakh Is this true? Well I'm going to prove To you today that it's certainly Not true uh, Yeshua or Jesus confirmed That the writings and prophet sections Of the Bible are scripture So let's go to John John chapter 10, verse 34 to 35. He states, Yeshua answered them, Is it not written in your law or Torah? I said, you are Elohim. Now, this is interesting because he stated that where the scripture is located, and is located in Psalm 82, verse 6, that it was a part of the Torah. Or the written instructions of God Matter of fact, Jews teach that In addition to the first five books of the Bible The rest of the Bible is also Considered the Torah Or all the instructions of God Now in Luke chapter 24 Luke chapter 24 Luke chapter 24 Verse 27 He says And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures. So obviously, Moses is considered the scriptures. The prophets are considered scriptures, uh, the things concerning himself. And he already confirmed that the book of Psalms is part of the scriptures, which is a part of the writing. So if it's a part of the writings, all the rest of the writings are also considered scriptures. All right. And so in um Verse 44 to 45 of Luke chapter 24. 
He says, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you or spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the Torah of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And that's exactly the way the Jewish Bible is outlined. You have the first five books of the Bible, you have the prophet section, and you have the writing section, which the book of Psalms begins. And so he, right there in that one scripture, he confirmed the uh, authenticity of the Old Testament right there. And then, and this is something that you can, you can know Hebrew, you can know all Aramaic, you can know Koine Greek, which is the kind of Greek that the New Testament was written in. You can know all that, but if you don't have God's spirit and if he doesn't open your mind to understanding the Bible, it doesn't make a difference how many languages you know, or if you know biblical Hebrew, you just will not understand the Bible completely. And this is an example of it in verse 45. And you got to understand the social context of this. Uh, his disciples were taught the Torah. They knew the Torah and they still didn't understand. So, and they knew Hebrew. So then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Okay. So, so God, I don't care if you know Hebrew, or whatever, you've got to have God open your mind so that you can understand the scriptures. So anyway, Yeshua also confirmed the words he spake or spoke while he was a human being on the earth are the Father's words. This is in John chapter 7. John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 16, it states, Yeshua answered them and said, My doctrine or teaching is not mine, but his that sent me. Okay, so to me, that's the end of this. Uh, the fact that he stated that his teaching was the Father's teaching, that's enough for me to understand <laughs> that all the words in the apostolic scriptures are the Father's inspired words that he inspired through the Messiah, and then the Messiah inspired his students to write the things down, which the original source is the Father. That's enough for me to me to understand that the New Testament is scripture. But you got people that want to argue and fuss and doubt God, and that's that's the way it's been all throughout uh, history. And in John chapter eight, and I find that in a good case, portion of cases, they want to do that because they want to do something that they want to do, and they don't want to just totally submit and surrender to what the scriptures indicate. John 8, verse 26. John 8, verse 26 states, Plainly, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake of them of the Father. So that's what, that's what he was talking about, the Father. And then said Yeshua, Jesus, unto them, when you, oops, let me go back, John chapter 8, uh, verse 28. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And these are plain scriptures. You don't need to, well, you got to understand what that really means. It, this is just plain. Yonevahe, or God, is he gave us writing. We shouldn't have to spend hours and hours to understand simple concepts of the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let anybody deceive you. About it. All you need to do is obey, and God will give you the ability to understand. Uh, John chapter 12. 
verses 49 to 50. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whosoever I speak thereof, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. And so on and on and on, he proves this, that, that the New Testament is scripture. He taught his students who became his apostles all the Father taught him. In John 15, John 15, verse 15, it states plainly, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends for all things. He said all things, all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Now, is he lying? He said all the things that he learned of the Father, he taught the apostles. So the apostolic scriptures is all the things that the Father told Messiah to tell his students. Incredible, isn't it? Anyway, John chapter 17, John chapter 17, verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So just like the father sent him into the world to reveal new truth, and it was new truth. I'm tired of people telling me that the New Testament doesn't provide any new truth. It does. Okay. And sure, the first five books is the foundation, but the New Testament helped us to it goes into deeper concepts. Like there's really no, I mean, it alludes to it, but Paul talks about it in detail about us having a spiritual body in first Corinthians chapter 15 and, and, and the book of revelation, which is like a, an outline of prophecy. There's no outline of prophecy in uh, the old Testament, like the book of revelation. Where do we get the concept of seven seals, seven trumpets and seven plagues? It's certainly not in the old Testament and several other things that are new, uh, that, um, that is in the uh, New Testament. And a lot of the things that are new was um, a better understanding of certain things, a better understanding of certain, a new, new understanding. And so um, in John chapter 17, verse 8, I think I read this already. Oh, no, I haven't. John 17, verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Okay, so that, that's a very important scripture, ladies and gentlemen, to understand, to understand the Messiah's mission. Uh, and his mission was to give uh, his father's words to give his father's words to his students and his students giving those words to other people. Okay. And um, I'm going to write this scripture down to make sure that I understand this. So um, as far as what Paul stated. And so John 17, John chapter 17 Verse 18, it states, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. All right. And then uh, verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. So you see, the father gave 
the words to the Messiah, and the Messiah gave the words to his students. And this is in in, in Book of Revelation. Uh, it it kind of tells you this process here. Revelation chapter one verse one: the revelation of Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants, which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So this is how the Holy Writ is trans transmitted. It, it comes from the Father. He gives it to the Son. And the son gives it to an angel, then the angel gives it to a human. That is the transmission of Holy Writ, according to the scriptures. And so he commanded his apostles to teach others what he taught them. And it's in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Yeshua came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, immersing them or baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe some things? No, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, which means it's going to be still teachers, his teachers on the earth. And then in Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 28 plainly states, or 48 rather, plainly states, and you are witnesses of these things. He's talking to his disciples or apostles or taught ones or Talmudim. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, since the first century, Yah or God has been speaking through his son. Right here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and at various manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, have in these last days, this was written in the first century, so since the first century, uh, that's when the last days began, the Charit Hayamim, the days before the coming of the Messiah, have in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So that's not a Bible study, but anyway, that's a very powerful uh Holy writ or scripture. Scripture simply means writings. And it's holy and it's set apart. Uh, John the Baptist stated Yeshua's or Jesus' words are the words of God. John chapter 3, verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of Yodevahe. For Yodevahe giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. So here's John the Baptist, uh, Yochanan the Immerser. Uh, saying simply that all the words that Yeshua spoke was the words of God, and that's true because he stated that his words were the words of the Father. He's also God, but he's the God the Son, not God the Father. All right, and, and then John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. So all the words of the New Testament, because he gave those words to his students of Talmudim, are spirit and they are life. Because any words from the Father is certainly spirit and life. This has something to do, ladies and gentlemen, with biblical education. Uh, you have to get your, your education in the Bible as far as how the Bible was canonized for you to understand that the entire Bible is the inspired words of God. Um, Paul the apostle as Yeshua's instrument or vessel. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 15. I use this when people try to tell me that, that Paul was a false apostle and all this. Uh, Acts 9, verse 15. But the master said unto them, Go thy way, for he is, and this is Yeshua's own words, who many people believe he's God, right? I believe he's Yodevahe. So says, so Go thy way, for he is, and this is his own words. It's in red letters in the King James. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel or instrument unto me. That's what that means in the, in the Koine Greek, okay? Uh, to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. So that's his mission. And he's a, he was a chosen vessel or instrument of God. So any instrument of God is going to be sacred and holy. And anything that that instrument writes is going to be scripture. That's just common sense. All right. And Paul the Apostle is Yeshua's instrument of vessel revealed his and the other New Testament writings are the words of God. First Thessalonians 2. First Thessalonians 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we, Yodevahe, without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Incredible scripture, but it's right there for anyone to see. In uh, First Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Furthermore, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Messiah, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please Yodevahe, or God, you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Master Yeshua. And so every commandment in the New Testament is the commandments of Yeshua. And they are sacred because, again, Yeshua said everything that he said came from the Father. Now, the question is, do you believe that? The Apostle Peter writes that the New Testament writings, the Father's words, are on the same level, of course, as the Old Testament writings. In 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the master and Satan. And so he puts the, uh, the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, in the same category as the holy prophets writing. And the Apostle Peter, or Kepha, that's how you say his name in Hebrew, reveals Shaul, that's how you say Paul's name in Hebrew, Shaul's writings to be scripture. And then people have argued and fussed about this, but it's pretty obvious what it's saying here when you combine all the other writings that Paul wrote to confirm what Peter is saying here. And account that the long suffering of our master is salvation, even as our beloved Brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, so the wisdom was given to him. It wasn't his own wisdom. It was wisdom from God, which is inspired and sacred and holy writ, and ended up being holy writ because he wrote down that wisdom, and it became set apart writing or scripture, okay? According to the wisdom given unto him has written unto you, as also in all his epistles, all of his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, and that is the prophecy saying that 
uh, even in the Greek, in the Koine Greek, it was hard to be understood. And certainly in English it is because people today struggle with Paul's writings because, number one, a lot of people don't understand his Jewish background. So they think that when he says under the law and uh, the law was nailed to the cross and all this other stuff, they don't understand that he's not saying that the Torah is destroyed because they don't understand his Jewish background. And I don't have time to go over that today. But if you if you want me to uh, send you some study articles on on it, uh, some study articles on it, please email me at canard, K-E-N-N-A-R-D, at mercifulservantsofgod.com. And I'll be glad to uh, send some information to you. Now, we're going to probably go off the air in another five minutes. Or maybe I may spend another five, 10, or 15 minutes completing this study because this is so important here. And I'm going to use this to wake people up that are starting to doubt Paul's writings and the, the validity of the New Testament. So, because I, I'm just really sick and tired of hearing all that false doctrine. And like I said, on this show, I can say what I want to say. I don't have to worry about people kicking me off. So, so, um, so anyway, uh, that they, things which are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, and as many people that's unlearned and stable, uh, unstable, they, they're unlearned and unstable, and they don't understand the, the social context of the scriptures. And then you know, I had somebody trying to tell me or refer that I don't understand the context because I teach correctly that women are second in command in the hierarchy of society, according to the scriptures. And so, you know, that that's, that's a bunch of malarkey. But, but, you know, I take it because I'm not supposed to argue the scriptures. But you know what? I could um, do what I'm doing now. And through doing this, I'm, I'm doing what the scriptures command me to do um, is to uh, not let anyone think less of me. So and that, that's what I'm doing here. Um, and I'm doing it in a way where I'm not going to be uh, offending anybody. And so if you're wondering where that scripture is at, let me see if I can find it here. Um See, I'm supposed to uh, see, I think it's in First Timothy chapter 4. No, Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2. No, chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. So, you know, I'm supposed to make full proof of my ministry. And that's what I'm doing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm making full proof of it, and um, I'm commanded to do what I'm doing here. So uh, see if I can find that other scripture here. It'd be nice if I can find it. Let's see. Um, Oh, well. But anyway. Um, let's continue on with this study. And then Paul was given knowledge through revelation by the Messiah or Christ. That's in Galatians 1, verse 11 to 12. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not a, not after man. And he's accused of writing a gospel after man, and, he, and he's saying that he, it's not, it didn't come from man. Verse 12, for I have neither received it at, of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Yeshua Messiah. So these are his own words. I heard one person preaching false doctrine saying, well, Paul didn't even consider his writing scripture. I don't know what writings he's been uh, 
reading or studying from Paul, but Paul definitely thought that what he was writing was the words of God. And so he needs to reread um, his epistles. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 17. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the master, who shall bring you to remembrance of my ways, which be in Messiah. As I teach everywhere in every uh, assembly. Okay? And so that's, and I've had some people teach false doctrines or try to teach me a false doctrine. Well, he just meant that for the Corinthian church. No, no. <laughs> Everything that he stated was for all the churches, including the Corinthian church. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of the Messiah. And so, ladies and gentlemen, stop believing. If you believe that the New Testament is not scripture and, and Paul is a false apostle and all that, please repent of that. That is total false doctrine, total false doctrine, and you need to, to repent of that. You need to repent of that because that is total um, false doctrine, ladies and gentlemen. And so I'm going to go over a little history of um, of the Bible. I'm going to try to do that here and uh, so that you understand that um, we have the books, and that's not the problem. The Bible, the problem is that people don't want to believe what it says, and they don't want to do what it says. That's, that's, that's the problem that most people have when it, turns to, when it comes to the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, people just don't want to believe what it says, and they just don't want to um, do what it says, and they want to do what they want to do, see? And, and, that's, and that's the problem um, with a lot of people. That, that's what I find. Anyway, uh, they, they just want to make excuses to confirm or do what they want to do, but they just don't really want to abide in what the Bible plainly tells you to do. And so that, that is, uh, that is the issue, ladies and gentlemen. And so what we're going to do now, still trying to find this other scripture here. Um, yeah, here we go. Titus two, verse 15. It says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke, with all authority or commandment, letting no man despise thee, okay? And so that that is what um, I'm commanded to do is to not let people despise me. And I know people despise me anyway, but <laughs> the Bible commands me in Titus 2 verse 15 to uh, do the best you can to... Uh, not allow that. So I'm commanded to do that. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority or commandment. Uh, authority. Okay? It means commandment. Commandment can be authority as well. So so I'm 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 commanded to do that. And uh, just like the show that I was on today, um, they were not agreeing with the Bible. It wasn't me that they weren't agreeing with. Well, they weren't agreeing with me, but unfortunately they weren't agreeing with what the Bible says, and I, I'm tired of hearing this, this is not a salvation issue. Anything is a salvation issue if you don't want to obey what the Bible plainly states about certain things. That is a salvation issue. Um, 
whether or not a woman asserts the authority of a man. That is a salvation issue. And so uh, you need to take that seriously. You have to go by what the scriptures say. Now, um, I don't judge anybody, but anything is a salvation issue. If, if you are doing something that's against the scriptures and you continue to do it and, and you don't care and you try to reason your way around it, then that is a salvation issue. I think uh, another study I'm going to do, what is a salvation issue? Because I hear that all the time. It's not a salvation issue. It's not a salvation issue. I hear that all the time. It just irritates me uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a righteous way to correct. So anyway, let's understand something here. Um, this is found on a faithfulversion.org. Uh, it's a good commentary on who wrote the New Testament. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this because it makes perfect sense. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus' disciples would write the New Testament. The prophet Isaiah actually foretold that the disciples of Jesus Christ would write what would become the New Testament. Bind up the testimony and seal the Torah among my disciples or taught ones. That's in Isaiah 8, verse 16. And so this prophecy clearly indicates that God did not leave the writing of, of the most important book in the world to those who were not disciples of Yeshua, Messiah, or eyewitness of his ministry. Dr. Ernest L. Martin, a noted biblical scholar, commented on the meaning of the prophecy of Isaiah 8, verse 16. Christ did not mean that he would personally add to the law and the prophets by composing books of his own. Right, because God is the great delegator, right? So he didn't write the books on his own. A reading of the Old Testament revealed to the apostles that it was they who were to be responsible for writing and selecting the documents which would comprise the New Testament. So this is from Dr. Martin's Restoring the Original Bible on page 297. And so he states here, Martin comments on two key words from Isaiah's passage. What do the words bind and seal signify? The Hebrew word for bind means to close. The word seal means practically the same, to cap off, to enclose. This is exactly what the apostles did with the message which the stone and the rock gave them. They were to complete it, bind it up, close it shut. Yeshua's disciples were commissioned to add to and to complete the Bible. In a word, the apostles felt that they had authority, even from the Old Testament, to bind, seal, authorize, and canonize the Torah and the testimony of Christ or the law of Christ. This meant to put the teachings of Christ in a book, just like the Old Testament was given to the early Jews. Again, this is from Martin Restoring the Original Bible, page 297, um, actually not 297, pages 298 to 299. So Isaiah concludes his prophecy by showing that Yeshua and his disciples would form the New Testament church. Behold, I Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ, and the children, the disciples and the apostles whom the Lord has given me for, given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. That's in Isaiah 8, verse 18. Indeed, the apostles and the disciples of Christ, who were eyewitnesses of his life and ministry, were the ones who wrote the New Testament. They were to bind the testimony and seal the Torah to complete the testimony and teach the true meaning of the Torah. This task would never have been left to others living decades later who never knew Yeshua nor were taught by him personally. And, and that's a strong statement and, and, and it's very, very important to understand that this is so true. This is so true. All right, so 
let's get back to a one, one other scripture that confirms what Dr. Martin stated here in Colossians 1 verse 25. I'm going to read this and I'm going to go, go through a short synopsis on the canonicity of the Bible. And then, that, then we're in this uh, very critical Bible study. And this is, a, this is a study you need perhaps to rewind and go over. And another thing I suggest, if you haven't, I've taken a course. So I'm not a hypocrite. I, take, I took a course. I, it was a home study course that I read and studied on how the Bible was canonized. You need to take that as well um, so that you can understand how we got the Bible. Because if you don't understand that, there's a possibility you can be deceived by somebody going around telling you that, oh, the first five books is just scripture. It's, the, it's, it's only holy written and none, none of the other writings or, or, or uh, of the old or the new uh, other than the first five books of scripture. Uh, if you don't educate yourself on how the, uh, and I'm going to give you some foundation, but I'm suggesting that you go more and go deeper so that you can become a, a literal master, or at least you don't have to become a master, but at least understand in a general way how we got the Bible so you won't get deceived. And so one of the books you can get is Restoring the Original Bible by Ernest Martin. You can Google that on Amazon and you can get that, Restoring the Original Bible. I don't have that book, but I'm going to get it. But I've read another book. I actually took a course on it and I'm going to uh, go ahead and get Martin's book because I like the way he uh, uh, talks about things and he uh, talks about some things that most people don't know that he's done some research about. And so I'm going to definitely get that. Um, Here's a scripture that I want to quote here because I believe all the entire Bible is scripture. So if you don't believe that, then maybe you don't need to listen to me. So anyway, Colossians chapter one, Colossians chapter one, Verse 25, he says, and this is what Paul is saying about himself, wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill or to complete the words of God. And so he knew that God was using him to complete the word of God. That's a good definition of the apostolic scriptures. They complete the word of God without the apostolic scriptures. The words of God and his revelation to mankind would not have been completed. And so in verse 26, it says, even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. And so people get around with Paul, <laughs> Paul, you know, making, making, you know, making fun of Paul. You're making fun of God's instrument. And I'm telling you right now, it is a salvation issue if you are going to make fun of Yode Vahe's or God's instrument, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is a salvation issue, okay? And so Colossians 1 verse 26, even or take lightly uh, any of the apostles who is a part of the foundation of the assembly, uh, which the apostles were prophesied uh, in Isaiah chapter 8. They were talked about in the prophetic scriptures. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 26, even the mystery which have been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the non-Jews, which is Christ in you, the hope of your glory. That was not taught um, um, with the kind of understanding that was brought in the first century. And you can't deny that. There are things in the New Testament that's not even talked about uh, in the way it's talked about, like, like the parables. There are a few parables. Uh, 
in the Old Testament, but Yeshua uh, gave parables that uh, was not in the Old Testament. That was new. There's new teachings in the New Testament. Okay, that's why I think the King James, they call it the New Testament, is actually a uh, renewed covenant scriptures, but there are some new things. I would be lying to say there's not any new things in the New Testament, new teachings. There, there's, there's a good bunch of new teachings in the New Testament, in particular in the gospel. So, you know, let, let's, let's cut this mess out now, okay? It, it's, it's a bunch of denial and, quite frankly, has its roots in the devil. And so you need to repent of that. Um, I wanted to read something to you about the uh, validity of the New Testament. And I can say you have to educate, especially especially those who call themselves teachers. Well, even if you're not, you need to do it, but especially those who call themselves teachers. And so if you don't want to read anything and all that and, and, and so forth, and you have a busy schedule, I have the solution for you. I want you to go pick up a book called The Facts on the King James Only Debate by John Ankerbird and John Weldon. It's a, it's a little book. You can read it pretty quickly, okay? And also, look at this documentary. It's called The Fragments of Truth by Faith Life. The Fragments, F-R-A-G-M-E-N-T-S, of Truth by Faith Life. The date of it is August 24, 2018. It's one hour and 15 minutes, and it features 12 biblical scholars, including Dr. Craig Evans, and the reason why I suggest you look at this so you can educate yourself on the validity of the New Testament scriptures, um, they go over three main facts in detail. The apostolic scriptures contain 20,000 lines of Greek text composed of 27 books. Only two doubtful passages, and those two doubtful passages is John 8, verses 1 to 11, and Mark 16, verses 9 to 20, are not found in the earliest Greek manuscripts. So again, only two doubtful passages, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, and Mark chapter 16, verses 9 to 20, are not found in the earliest Greek manuscripts. Number three, only 40 lines, only 40 lines of biblical text are doubtful. The 40 lines don't involve any significant doctrine. <laughs> so, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get out of this false doctrine. God is intelligent enough to reveal his word, even in a wicked world and even through imperfect people, ladies and gentlemen. God can do anything. you got to understand that. And then I think we have all been guilty of putting limitations on the great God, which is crazy. But uh, we, we can't put limitations on the great God. Uh, and so he has preserved his word, and we got to stop acting like he has not preserved his word, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he has done that, and it's not for us to dictate uh, how he preserved his word He just preserved his word And so we, We've got to accept that And we have to believe that We have to believe that Ladies and gentlemen And so if you don't want to believe that Then uh, you're going to have some serious issues Understanding the Bible You're going to have some very serious issues Understanding the Bible ladies and gentlemen and So uh, I just hope that you take to heart what I'm preaching to you today and trying to teach you about God's words. And so uh, you got to understand that um, the problem overall with people is not whether or not we have his words. The problem is people not wanting to obey his words. That's, that is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. That is, that is the real problem that 
that people have with his uh, words, ladies and gentlemen. And so I'm trying to find something else here um, about God preserving his words. So let me see if I can find it here. Preserves his word. Okay. Here we go. In Psalm 12, verse 7. I don't know why I don't have this written in my document. I think I do. I just don't know where it's at. Uh, Psalm chapter 12, verse 7 states, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation. Oh, here we go. Uh, Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the master are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. And, um, and he says, Thou shalt can, can keep them or preserve them. And that's what he has done. He has preserved his words. And despite what people have said, he has preserved his words. So that's the important thing to understand. All right, so let's go over a short synopsis of how we got the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. That's very important to understand how we got the Bible. And so I'm going to go over this here real quickly, and then uh, we'll end the program here. So let me uh, go over that here. All right, so this is uh, from um, a good website, a little disclaimer day. I think they're, uh, they, they keep Sunday. They think Sunday is the Sabbath, or they think that Sunday's replaced the Sabbath. So, but other than that, they have really good uh, uh, studies. And so I would just uh, eat the chicken meat and throw out the, out the bones. So anyway, and so is the original Bible still in existence? And so I'm just going to read certain sections of this, and you can just Google this, uh, got questions. So you can just Google got questions. Is the original Bible still in existence? It's a very good article. Um, I'm just going to go over here. It is correct that the Bible was written over a long period of time, written by 40 authors over a period of nearly 1,500 years. Scripture is composed of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New so that's how the King James translators did it. But actually, the, the order really is 22 books. The original order was 22 and then 27. So you have a total of 49, 7 times 7. So that's another study. But anyway, the Old Testament is often divided into three sections of Pentateuch, which is sometimes referred to as the law or the Torah, and includes the first five books of the Bible, the prophets, which includes all the major and minor prophetic writings, and the writings, which includes the Psalms. So the book of Psalms begins the writing. Uh, Proverbs and a number of other books. Now, the New Testament is also divided into three segments, the gospel, church history, which basically includes just the book of Acts and the apostolic writings, which includes everything else. And so um, I think I already went over how the the Old Testament, I just want to focus on the New Testament. Well, actually, no, I'll, I'll go over the Old Testament. How was the original Bible compiled? This assemblage can be traced through scripture in a fairly accurate manner. After Moses wrote the Pentateuch, um, I can, I'm just going to name these scriptures. You can write them down. Exodus 17, verse 14. Exodus 24, verse 4, and then verse 7. Exodus chapter 34, verse 27. Numbers chapter 33, verse 2. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Matthew chapter 19, verse 8. John 5, verse 46 to 47. Romans 10, verse 5, it was placed in the Ark of the Covenant and preserved, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 24. Over time, other inspired texts were added to the first five books of the Bible, 
During the time of David and Solomon, the books already compiled were placed in the temple treasury, 1 Kings 8, verse 6, and cared for by the priests who served in the temple, 2 Kings 22, verse 8. More books also were also added during the reign of King Hezekiah, David's hymn, Solomon's Proverbs, to prophetic books such as Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah, Proverbs 25, verse 1. In general, as the prophets of God spoke, their words were written down, and what was recorded was included in what is today the Old Testament. During the exile of the Jews in the 6th century, the books were preserved around 538 B.C. The Jews returned from the Babylonian captivity, and Ezra the priest later added other inspired works to the, to the uh, canon. A copy of the Torah was then stored in the most holy place of the Second Temple, um, where the Ark of the Covenant used to sit. Following a meticulous process, other copies of the Torah were made to protect and preserve the inspired writings. The collection of, of the Old Testament books written in the Hebrew language is what Judaism calls the Hebrew Bible. In the 3rd century B.C., the Old Testaments were translated into Greek or Koine Greek by a team, team of 70 Jewish scholars with the finished work being called the LXX, which stands for 70, or the Septuagint, a Latin word derived from the phrase, the translation of the 70 interpreters. The Septuagint was certainly used and quoted by the apostles, including Paul, in their writings. The oldest manuscripts of the Septuagint, or the LXX, include some 1st and 2nd century B.C. fragments. In A.D. 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in the area Qumran, or Qumran, in Israel. Various scrolls date anywhere from the 5th century B.C. to the 1st century A.D. Historians believe that Jewish scribes maintained the site to preserve God's word and to protect the writings during the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. The Dead Sea Scrolls represent nearly every book of the Old Testament, and comparisons with more recent manuscripts show them to be virtually identical. The main deviations are the spellings of some individuals' names and various numbers quoted in Scripture. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls are a testimony to the accuracy and the preservation of the Old Testament and give confidence that the Old Testament we have today is the same Old Testament used by Yeshua or Jesus. In fact, Luke records a statement made by Yeshua, or Jesus, regarding the assemblage of the Old Testament. And this is in Luke 11, verse 49 to 51. For this reason, also the wisdom of God said, and he is the wisdom of God, by the way, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some they will persecute, so that the blood of, the pro of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of Yodevahe. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. This is found in Luke chapter 11, verse 49 to 51. Um, so Yeshua confirmed the 39 or 22 books of the Old Testament in these verses. Abel's death is found in Genesis and Zechariah's in 2 Chronicles, the first and last books of the Hebrew Bible. So that's what the Old Testament. Now, uh, the uh, how the original New Testament was compiled. Dan Burstein in his book, The Secrets of the Code, says this about the New Testament. Eventually, four Gospels and 23 text, other texts were canonized into the Bible. This did not occur, however, until the 6th century. Is this assertion true? Actually, it is 100% false. So this is a false statement from this guy. Uh, the truth is that the composition of the New Testament, this is the truth now, the truth is the composition of the New Testament was officially settled at the Council of Carthage in A.D. 397. However, the majority of the New Testament was accepted as authoritative much earlier. And this is what most people don't know. The first collection of New Testament books was proposed by a name, man named Marcion in A.D. 140. And so um, 
Marcion, um, he he thought, oh, he had a system of belief that says all spirit is good and all material matter is bad, which is ridiculous because you have demons, right? Is their spirit good? Because they are spirits, right? And so Marcion um, excluded any book that spoke of Jesus being both divine and human. And he also edited Paul's letters to match his own philosophy. The next proposed collection of New Testament books on record was the Moratorian Canon, dated A.D. 170. It included all four Gospels, the, the Book of Acts, 13 of Paul's letters, 1, 2, 3, John, um, or the first, second, and third epistles of John, Jude, and Revelation. The final New Testament Canon was first identified by the church, Father Athanasius, A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-U-S, in A.D. 367, and ratified by the Council of Carthage in A.D or A.D. as in Dog 397. But history shows that the actual New Testament in modern Bibles was recognized much earlier and that it is an exact reflection of what the autographs contain. First, Scripture itself shows that the writings of the New Testament were considered inspired and equal to the Old Testament. For example, Paul writes, For the Scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the labor is worthy of his wages. That's found in 1 Timothy 5, verse 18. The latter quotation is from Luke 10, verse 7, which shows Paul considered Luke's gospel to be scripture. Another example includes a statement made by Peter. Bear in mind that our Lord's already read this about um, the fact that he considered that uh, the apostle Paul's writing, Peter considered the apostles Paul's writings to be the other scriptures. Uh, second, quotations from the early church fathers allow the reconstruction of almost the entire New Testament as it is found today. For example, Clements, A.D. 95, quotes from 11 New Testament books. Ignatius, A.D. 107, quotes from nearly every New Testament book. And Polycarp, a disciple of John, A.D. 110, quotes from 17 New Testament books. Using the early church fathers' quotes, the entire New Testament can be pieced together with the exception of 20 to 27 verses, most of them from Third uh, John, uh, the third epistle of John. Such evidence witnesses to the fact that the New Testament was recognized far earlier than the Council of Carthage in AD 397, and that the New Testament we have today is the same as it was written 2,000 years ago. Third, there is no literary, uh, literary, there is no literary rival. There is no literary rival in the ancient world to the number of manuscript copies in the early dating of the New Testament. There are 5,300 Greek. 10,000 Latin and 9,000 miscellaneous copies of the New Testament extent, extent today, and more continue to be unearthed via archaeology. The combination of early dating and the enormous number of New Testament copies causes historical experts such as Sir Frederick Kenyon, a former director and principal librarian of the British Museum, to say, I quote, the interval then between the dates of the original composition and the early extent evidence becomes so small as to be, in fact, negligible. And the last foundation for any doubt that the scriptures have come down to us substantially as they were written has, been, has now been removed. Both the authenticity and the general integrity of the books of the New Testament may be regarded as finally established. End of quote. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we, we got to understand what well, he says here in summary. While no one today possesses the original autographs, we do have many extant copies and the work of biblical historians via the sincere science of textual criticism gives us great confidence that today's Bible is an accurate reflection of the original writer's work. As an analogy, if the original and preserved unit of measure known as a yard was lost in a fire in its holding place in Washington, D.C., 
in Washington, D.C., there is little doubt that there, that measurement could be replaced with full assurance to all the exact copies of it that exist elsewhere. That same is true of Yode Vahe's or God's word. So I know that was a little lengthy, but, you know, I want to just cover this. Now, if you want to go into further detail, I suggest you take a course uh, with the foundational understanding that we have the book that we're supposed to have, the 66 books. Uh, you can take uh, various courses online or whatever so that you can educate yourself on, uh, I recommend you go to um, Tim Hegg's website, TorResources.com and get his um, excellent home study course on um, how we got the Bible. It's very good. I read it and, and studied it, and it really helped me to understand and be able to accurately teach how we got the Bible. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that this will help you understand that we have the words of God. They have been preserved. Uh, as he said he would do uh, in Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. Let me read that to you again. Um, Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the master are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of the fire. Of her purified seven times, thou shalt keep them or preserve them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. All right, so the words of God, ladies and gentlemen, have been preserved. And if you don't want to believe that, then that's between you and Yode Vahe, but uh, they have been preserved uh, and reserved for us. And all we need to do is stop doubting his word and we need to start studying his word and stop thinking that Paul is a false apostle or his words are not scripture and all this other silly stuff. Um, realize that the entire canon of the Bible from the Old and New Testaments or the Tanakh and the Apostolic Scriptures or the Renewed Covenant Scriptures is a very sacred and inspired and holy word of God. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, may Yah bless and keep you and Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter four. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 